Hello and welcome to the Spirit Guide Society podcast. My name is Pedro Shanahan and I'm your spirit guide. Tonight in the Mezcal Collective at Las Perlas, we have Subir Singh in the house to educate us and help us launch Miko Tequila. New to Southern California, it's a beautiful brand. You have to check it out. We tried the Blanco, the Reposado, the Añejo, which is finished with some Cabernet. Check out the podcast. Always remember to enjoy this responsibly. That means don't drink and drive and don't tell everybody that you know more than they do. Everybody's answers are right. Spirit Guide Society podcast. Tell your friends who want to learn more about the spirits that they love. Oh, see, it's the slow clap. It brings people together. Now we feel more like a family, right? Right? Well, thank you guys for coming out. We've got a new tequila to the American market. At least, I'll say, at least the Southern California market. Absolutely, yeah. And we're launching it here at Las Perlas tonight. It is Miko Tequila. And to help us learn more about this brand new brand, we have Mr. Subir Singh in the house. So give it up for Subir. Thank you. Yeah. Hey, Subir, Thank you. come over here, because yeah. we're, we're recording Absolutely. video. They, they have this thing now, it's crazy, I know. It's called YouTube. And you can post videos up on the interwebs and how does that work? Hey, don't worry about it. I'll show you Should later. Should I be worried? No, no, that's cool. Don't it's do cool. anything crazy? Well, if you do, it'll, they'll, they'll cut him a goo, you know? They'll yeah. Like, hey. Cool. They, 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 they police themselves. But tell us a little bit about Miko. So Miko is a new tequila to the Southern California market, or have you guys launched across the, the whole United States as yet? So that's a great question. So we are a new tequila to the Southern California market with a little bit of backstory behind it. Okay. And Miko Tequila was actually a brand or a, a tequila launched in the year 1999-2000 by uh, Martin Crowley, who was the former or the actually the founder of Patron Tequila. Um, and in, in uh, 2000, Martin launched Miko as kind of a mid-tier tequila uh, at a time where Patron and Shinako and certain brands and that, where, uh, you know, you wouldn't really mix 100% agave tequila in a cocktail. So if you walked in a bar, people would be frowned upon. So Martin launched Miko and it was kind of his passion to, to, to sell Patron and do something more craft. And he passed away in 2003. So we relaunched a brand about three years ago. And the reason that came about was, um, and again, it, 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 it dates back to Martin Crowley. Uh, Martin Crowley, uh, when he was building Patron, uh, used to source the tequila from a great family and a tequila called Siete Leguas, which I'm sure you guys have had before. And essentially, Siete Leguas produced Patron for many, many years. Martin decided that he wanted to bring production in-house and he hired a gentleman by the name of uh, Agenra to come in and bring production in-house at Patron. So Miko's story starts again about three years ago in a little town called Ototo Nilco in the highlands of Jalisco. So I'm sure you guys are familiar with Highland and Lowland tequila. Uh, and this is a Highland tequila. So it's about an hour in Guadalajara. And it starts with AJ uh, and uh, uh, the Nunez family of tequila El Vejito. So Juan Nunez's great-grandfather worked for the Sousa family. In 1937, he left the Sousa family and he decided to be really entrepreneurial and start his own tequila called Tequila El Vejito. And they've been selling El Vejito right now um, for about 82, 82 years. Juan Nunez still oversees a facility. They produce El Vejito in Mexico. That's kind of their deal and, and that's what they want to do. They have no desire to you know, go into the U.S. or other markets, and it's kind of their family project. So 
um, AJ, while he was, he was um, helping to uh, create Patron's Hacienda and whatnot, became really close friends with Juan and Antonio Nia's El Vijito. Uh, while, during his eight years there. So they became close friends and uh, fast forward, it was 15 years, they're almost family now. So Miko's relaunched the market super special because um, AJ felt like it's something Martin wanted to do. Uh, I know at, at, at this time you guys might be thinking of the brand Patron, it's something completely different from when, when AJ was with the company now. It was, it was more, of, a, it was more of, of, of what it was when it first started. And this was kind of his idea to kind of bring something uh, something unique and crafty in the United States. Uh, so Juan and AJ and, um, um, started working on Miko tequila about three years ago with the idea to produce a Blanco tequila that was really effective of two things. One of what the family's been doing for 82 plus years, right? Not really changing what they're doing. Um, I, there's nothing wrong with flavoring tequila. There's nothing wrong with, um, you know, Highland and Lowland, you know, a mixture of agaves. Nothing wrong with any of that, but just really doing what the, the family's been doing for 82 plus years. And then really, producing a Blanco that's really reflective of the Highlands. Floral on the nose, proof four in terms of character. Interesting, so, but okay, so when Mark Crowley was like first putting together Miko, was it being made at the same facility where Patron was made or was it, did he find somebody else to create that? No, it was, it was being made at the same facility that Patron was being made. And now, it's a, now it's a completely different product in itself. And you guys have a different place that you're making we have, it. That's a great question. We have a completely different case and it, a place, and it was a different, a whole different product in terms of the way it was produced. So if you haven't been to Jalisco in Tequila Country, there's a lot of different distilleries that create a lot of different brands. Not all of them available in America. There's a, a ton of brands that are sold in Mexico only. And when we get into some of the brands that are available in America, you'll see that some of them come from the same distilleries. What other brands are made at this distillery? That's a great point. And, and um, before I answer that, so for example, I, the last time I checked, and I, can, I can't be exactly sure, there's about 140 plus distilleries in, in Jalisco. Now how many tequilas are out there? A lot, right? Hundreds. Hundreds. So Tequila El Vijito produces Tequila El Vijito, obviously, which I've already told you. They produce Miko Tequila. Um, and they've done, I would say, over the last, and I've known Juan for about 15 years, maybe three other tequilas. I think, I think um, Trader Joe's was looking to do a private label that they helped oh, them out Oh, at the with. same facility? In the same facility. So, so you th can look on the back. There's a, there's a little number. If you're a big tequila nerd, like I like yeah, to try to be. That's great. They have a nom. And so there's a nom. Are you guys familiar with that? Can that's you explain what, that you guys to all us? familiar what, with that? What's, what's so, a nom so for a, a beginner? A nom, a nom is... Gnome. One, I think it was in the. A gnome is a little guy who hangs out in yeah. your garden. <laughs> yeah. He's got a pointy hat, and they make your vegetables grow sweeter. Right? No, I don't know why. What do gnomes do? They right. So they if you, the if you, so the CRT, which is the regulatory council in Jalisco, does a phenomenal job of, of making sure tequila is produced in a certain way. Um, what you can do, especially now with cell phones, you can literally grab any bottle of tequila. Every bottle of tequila that comes out of Lisco is required by law to have a gnome on it. Type in that number and it'll tell you what, dis what tequilas are made from that facility. Which is fantastic because you can look at brands like, you know, Casamigos and you look at brands like Mico and you can look at brands like Siete Leguas and you know where they come from. Yeah, and that's just so that you know what you're paying for. When you go to the liquor store, you see a new brand, you, you're curious about what it might taste like. Well, check out the NOM because it might be similar to some other tequilas that are made there. That being said, just because it's made at the same facility 
doesn't necessarily mean it takes this tastes the same as other tequilas because you can talk to the master the tequilero the guy who's in charge yeah. of the whole operation and they can change the configurations of how they use the stills yeah there's a lot of different variants that go into making a flavor profile absolutely can you speak to that a little absolutely i want to i want to correct you though the girl who can produce the tequila All so because right. in our facility I love Karina it. Aguilera Rojo has been with the family for about 15 years now. And she actually produces Miko tequila. So she is very handled in the process. We think she's unbelievable and she's a genius. She's got a great background in biochemistry and whatnot. And she really loves tequila. Like, I mean, you could, you'd probably say, well, most master's of that's your full-time job. You probably love tequila. But she's very much into it. And um, to answer your question and to kind of elaborate on how different tequilas are produced in the same facility. Tequila El Vijito, which I personally love, is what El Vijito's been producing for many years. And it's their style, what the kind of you want to go for in terms of a tequila. So, and, and that they produce their tequila in a slightly different way and in, in, in a different style of what they want to reflect, and so do we. So it's much like an analogy of cooking, right? You can give, you can give two people the same recipe, one your great-grandmother, right? A recipe and then hand that off to your friend who loves that recipe and she take he takes it home cooks it the exact same way and it's not even close so that's that's kind of an analogy on it I know it's on point but it, it's essentially uh, there's a there's a lot it, it's 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 a simplistic process but it's a very complicated process to produce particular sure and when we talk about like the world of mezcals for instance they sometimes they're using a, a, a clay pot still or a lot of times they're using really small copper pot stills. But you go to most tequila producers, sometimes they're using uh, stainless steel pot stills and a bunch of them, like small stills, but like dozens and dozens of them. What is the facility like? Have you been in the distillery, Absolutely. the 1107? Yeah, many, well, many, many times. So what so kind of stills they have there? So the, the, the are 5,000 liter stainless and copper pot stills. Um, so what that does is there, there are different stills you can use, not, not as opposed to different sizes, but there's column stills. So column stills are known as continuous stills where they continue to distill and distill. Pot stills are known for being able to create a product that's very rich in texture, very rich in flavor, because it's a slow distillation method. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar, I've seen a pot still before which has a swan's neck and uh, two different pots. Um, but essentially they heat the vapors up and they cool it through a condenser. It's a slow, it's a slow process, and that's it. that's what we do 100% with Miko tequila. So there's no column distillate in here at all. And how do you guys roast your pinas? Because I know traditionally in tequila, usually it's like a big brick oven. Is that how you guys cook your pinas? We only use brick ovens with our tequila. So after we wait about seven and a half to eight years to harvest our tequila, we cook. We 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 cut the tequila. Uh, sorry, the agave up in quarters, and they're stacked in brick ovens, and they're cooked for an average of about 48 hours. And then the, the fermentation, are they doing like open air fermentation or is it closed fermentation? Good question. So we're doing fermentation in steel vats, closed fermentation. The reason we're doing that, and this goes back to um, our, our, you know, Miko and our, and our partnership with the Nunez families, that's what they feel like they've been doing for many years. And that's a great question because AJ, who's our founder and very close partners with, with, uh, with uh, Karina and Juan, came from a style of tequila, I don't know if you guys knew this too, but Patron and Siete Leguas do open air fermentation. So there's slight differences between the two. And I'd say this between when, you, when you're 
learning about other tequilas. There's no right or wrong. It's just different styles of what you really want to ref what we really want to come out of. So closed air fermentation steel. It's a little bit cleaner in style. Um, what Juan believes is he wants to basically be able to produce a tequila that he likes, keep it consistent, and really kind of control it a little bit. AJ and you know Santa Leguas and other distilleries that do open air fermentation, what they like is they like the environment because uh, the fermentation process is very natural. They're essentially adding yeast to it and they're converting the sugars into alcohol. And they feel that interaction with their environment is really critical to the flavor and whatnot. So essentially what you're getting is not one tequila that's better, you're just getting a different style. And so we do closed air fermentation uh, because our partners feel like that's what, what is, is, yields a really good style of, uh, of tequila. Also, when you use closed fermentation, you can control the temperature of the fermentation, which to some people is very important. Some people just kind of let things go a little bit wild, but like, yeah, if you're, if you're like trying to create consistency, sometimes you rely on that closed fermentation. For Absolutely. That so, so to your point, um, and if you guys ever have a chance to go to a distillery, whether it's tequila or not, um, yeast produces a natural heat, right? A natural heat just, just, just from the conversion process, you'll see, see steam rising from it. And so that's why open air fermentation and closed air fermentation yield two different styles of, of, of product. And, and other yeast strains can get in and open fermentation, wild yeasts can get in there and that can change the flavor profile. Yeah. So if you know you kind of, you've isolated what kind Absolutely. of yeast create the kind of flavors that you want yeah. in the fermentation, then maybe closed fermentation. I mean, there's no right or wrong. It's all about Absolutely. what are you trying to create? What is your brand? Uh, represent. So the first tequila that uh, Bambino's bringing around is the Blanco. So you say no column stills, all pot stills for this, Absolutely. closed fermentation. Yeah. How long is the fermentation? Our fermentation process takes anywhere from about four to six days. Um, so I would say in the grand scheme of te tequilas, it's not on the low end, I think it's, it's on the high end, it's right in between. And why that's a, that's a great question too is because um, you're, a lot of people believe that the fermentation process could be the most critical part of the process because you're actually converting the sugars over. So when you're doing it slowly, you're actually converting over a more complex spirit that you're gonna distill. When you, do, when you use a yeast strain that, that converts those sugars over really fast, just like anything you do really fast, it, it may yield something, thank you yield something that's not reflective of the agave you harvested. So we, we, we look at about five to six days for, uh, um, uh, I'm sorry, four to five days for uh, fermentation. And then you're roasting them in these big old brick ovens. Yep. Where are you harvesting your agaves from? Do you guys have your own estate that you're growing agaves? Or are you like buying from a broker from a lot of different places? Yep, so because of uh, AJ and Juan's experience in that region, Juan being in that region for over you know, 15, 20 years, AJ, AJ working um, in that region, they actually have great relationships with farmers in that area. And the difference is um, if you've seen a state grown tequila with that, or agave or tequila, what that means is they own their own um, farm, they harvest from a certain estate, and all the agave comes from that state. What we do is all our agave is sourced from the highlands, but we have three or four different farmers that we work with to say, okay, when your tequila or your agave is, or when your agave is at this sugar level and this, uh, quality, we will we'll purchase from you, and we have contracts with them. So we 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 heart, we source from multiple farmers in in Los Altos in the Highlands. So let's taste this blanco together. Everyone should have a yeah. glass in front of them. 
Yeah, stick your nose in that glass, breathe in yeah. gently through your mouth. So again, on the, on the nose, our, our, our objective at our Blanco was to produce something that was really approachable and reflective of the highlands. So really floral on the nose. And you'll notice when you, when you smell Mico Blanco, it doesn't burn you by any means. Really, really nice notes. Um, and in terms of the character and the flavor profile, it's all double distilled. So when you, when you triple or quadruple distill something, you're, you may get a, a smoother quality of product, but every time you distill, you're moving the impurities. We like double distill because it has a lot of complexity to it and a lot of richness to it, and you actually get to experience the tequila. But you'll notice when you sip this, it's very approachable, it's very sippable. I always tell people, you shouldn't get any burn here in your nose, and ne neither in your mouth. You will get some heat down here in your esophagus, but you're drinking tequila, and that's, what you, that's why you drink tequila, right? So salute, if you guys wanna have a little sip, salute. or a yeah. shot, whatever you prefer. Over your tongue. And what are you experiencing? What food words come to mind? I mean, if it's a sweet note, what kind of sweetness is it? Is it, is it powdered sugar, or is it brown sugar, or is it molasses? Like, what kind of sweetness? What kind of fruitiness? Like, share your experience, there's no wrong answers. Hickamon, yeah. nice. I get a little white pepper. I get a little pepper. Um, very, and, and in the south, it's very what I like to see agave forward, right? It's very agave forward, uh, somewhat clean, very crisp. But on the back end, I, th I think it's got it's got a little bit of texture to it, you know. And yeah, it's I get I get a little bit of citrus on the back, and like it's 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 got like a pulpy or a, like a starchy nose a little bit, like almost like glue, but in a good way, like. It's sweet, but yeah. but savory too, you know? It's yeah. And so our Blanco was used to create the cocktail tonight, which I think is phenomenal. Thank you so much for doing that. Because it's a very agave for tequila, when you're using very fresh ingredients, not only do the ingredients really shine through, but Miko shines through really nicely because it marries together very nicely um, because it's got that crisp, almost like citrus-like background to it. So um, thank you for that. That was an awesome, awesome cocktail. Yeah, Bambino's the man. So this Blanco, uh, how big are your batches? Like, what are you guys, you guys are just restarting the brand. How much, how many liters are you gonna release this year? So this year, we're gonna do about, just above a thousand six pack cases. So we're a very small production. Wow. Very, very, very small production facility. Um, and that's kind of what we're sticking to. I mean, our whole idea behind tequila, um, there's a lot of great tequilas out there, but we have a certain style that we like to, Kind of bring to the market we feel like accounts or, or partners like las perlas or places that really like enjoy good agaves and 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 mix great cocktails or where we want to be and that's the kind of road we're kind of sticking to for now and yeah. so like in talking about a distillery that also makes other uh tequilas are is your the master your maestra yeah is she also doing any of the other brands or is she just come in and just do your brand she's doing our brand and she's doing the family's brand tequila el Vijita. okay yeah but like uh is your recipe that how is it vary from some of the other tequilas that are made in the same facility do you know so i a, a couple things where they source their agave from you know like i said like our founder aj has his source of agave um when they source agave for us, he checks off on it to say, okay, cool, that's great. This is, this is I know that person or that farmer. Um, in terms of the step of the process, I think that, um, you know, in terms of our, our, our taste profile, because we have the experience of producing tequila, we know exactly what we're looking for. And, and Karina is able to say, okay, cool, this is what, how we're gonna, this is the yeast we're gonna use. In terms of distillation, this is the time we're gonna take. 
Um, in terms of um, cooking in brick ovens, you know, there's like, uh, so it's, it, for example, like you'll, you'll hear a lot of tequilas, so, you know, we cook in brick ovens for 48 hours. You know, in between our process, they actually cool down the brick ovens, right, for, for I think after like 12 or 14 hours, and they reheated it back up. So all these little things, although they're small nuances, add to the flavor of tequila. Oh, yeah. So when Juan and, and, and Antonio, who own El Vijito, who are our partners, produce El Vijito, you know, I love El Vijito. To be honest, I haven't meticulously walked through saying, I'm actually going to be in Mexico next week. I'm going to ask him and say, hey, listen, what, what do you, I know what he does, but like, what are the nuances? But it's a great question because it's all these small little things that at the end of the day, if I, and this should be something cool, I can bring El Vijito next time we do this. Yeah, that'd be cool. Side by side from the same distillery, there's noticeable differences. Right, for sure. And the longer fermentation, all those things have a, a, an effect on the final flavor profile. But you guys are really starting off small. That's really, really cool. Now, I'm looking at this bottle here. How much is the Blanco from Miko going to cost me at my local liquor store? So at retail, you're looking at about $39 to $42. Wow, so okay. really, 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 really affordable. And, and the label here, there's like a dude sitting in So a... that is a monkey, my friend. And Miko, I don't I know if you guys knew this. I thought it was a mask on. I wasn't sure. I didn't want to say <laughs> and, and you're wearing your glasses. Well, I, I don't, it's small, man. It's dark in here. So Miko actually translates to monkey in certain regions of, of, uh, of Mexico. And a Miko means monkey? Miko translates to monkey. Okay. At certain regions of Mexico. It jungle. Yeah. It depends where you go. And if you, you can actually grab your phones and, and type in Miko and it'll translate it for you. Okay. I assure you I've done it many times. Um, and, and actually the brand, it's just a fun play on what's taking place in Guadalajara, what we feel like. I can tell here. Um, you know, in terms of our, if you look at our, if you look at our colors, you know, like, um, if you look at the Nejo, it's really reflective of the volcanic soil. Uh, our, the blue in the Reposado is reflective of, of the blue, uh, blue hue in agave. And then the yellow green of Blanco is really reflective of like the culinary and like the vibrant style of, of Mexican culture. I mean, we're not trying to be an, uh, an old traditional tequila. We know that we have a great partnership with a family that's been producing tequila for 80 plus years. And we have a gentleman who's found himself in that region that came together, which is super cool. But, you know, in terms of our style, when we're down there with the family and our friends from Guadalajara, we're eating Italian food, we're eating Argentinian food, we're drinking wine, we're drinking gin, we're drinking bourbon. So I feel like there's just, there's a connotation of like, oh, when you go to Guadalajara, you go to Mexico, people eat Mexican food, drink tequila. No, they're on their phones and drinking gin. You know, it's like, it's super cool. And we want to talk about our experience with our friends in Mexico today, because that's how we see our, you know, tequila and what, what, what's come about. What, yeah. What's really nice about it is that we still have a very authentic product in, in terms of how it's produced. So we're, we're pretty lucky in both senses. Oh, well, well in my own defense, the, the monkey is wearing a suit, guys. Oh, right, yeah. So I thought he that's had a mask on. I was like, that's a, that's a proper monkey, dude. Okay, it's a very fancy monkey. That's right. He has a name, dude. What, his name's Miko? Yeah. Of course. Okay. Be Miko. Miko the Miko. I got it, I got it. <laughs> right? You got it right there. <laughs> All right. So Bambino's coming around with the second mark here, and this is going to be the Reposado. Absolutely. Can you define that for us? Because not everybody knows what a Reposado is as opposed to a Blanco. Reposado means monkey's sister. No, 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 no. Wow. Reposado means rested. So by law, Reposado has to be rested a minimum of three months. Um, typically, you'll see Reposados at about around six months. So how we do that, or how typically the, the industry does that, is we source American oak casts 
from the United States from bourbon manufacturers or, or, and, and whiskey manufacturers. What's interesting is how we age our Reposado or Anejo. So we actually use different casks for Anejo and different casks for Reposado. The reason I point that out is a lot of suppliers use American oak sourced from either Tennessee or Kentucky. They age it at six months and that's a Reposado. They pull it out at 12 months and that's our Anejo. So you have a, you have a, a tequila that's got just a little more complexity or intensity to the interaction of the wood. Well, we really found that there's noticeable differences between uh, American oak sourced from Tennessee, hence Jack Daniels, right? You, got, you guys have, And you guys have had bourbon from, say, Woodford in Kentucky. But a lot of people say, well, where's your tequila aid? What, what's it aged? American oak. From where? Tennessee or Kentucky. Okay, well, there's, again, you, you, you'll get different styles. So when we were looking at our aging processes, we found some noticeable difference. So what we did was we found that our Reposado, which we aged about eight and a half to nine months, really reflected really nicely out of Tennessee whiskey barrels. So hence, we're aging about nine months in American oak from Tennessee, essentially Jack Daniels. What we also found during the experiment is we sourced some Napa Valley barrels, cab barrels, from a winery called Silver Oak. I'm sure many of you have had that. Yeah, oh yeah. I mean, it's, it's a great full-body silky cab. What we did is we finished it off for about a month and a half. So it was a short amount of time, but it was just enough to give it that, that silkiness, that texture, a little bit of that pepper, that spice. Still very much tequila. So when you guys nose it, it's our Blanco, which is very agave forward. But you'll have a, a slight honey notes from the Jack. And then you'll really have to really look for those cab notes, which is really nice. Still very approachable, very sippable. And, so and go how ahead. long are you resting it? Total of 11 months. So nine okay. months in American Oak. X whiskey and then finish you off in cab barrels for about two months. Okay. Yeah. Beautiful. So stick your nose in that glass, breathe in gently through your mouth. What do you what guys food um, words come to mind? Yeah. What are you reminded of as you smell this Mico Reposado? Vanilla. Vanilla? I'm getting the vanilla for sure. A little bit of honey, a little bit of spice. Yep. Yep. Miguel, what are you getting? I get a little bit of it's spice. Oaky, yeah. I get a little bit of spice. I get a tiny bit of honey. I get. I get a little I, bit of pepper. I, I, I note like that that you I, said before I didn't get the pepper so much in the blanco. I'm getting a little bit of that white pepper on yeah. this. And you know, the, I get I get a little bit of that herbaceous from the guy, like a tiny bit shining through. And that barrel is also gonna. It serves like a charred oak barrel. It also serves as kind of a filter. It actually smooths out some of the rougher notes yeah. of the tequila. What, what do you get? Yeah. It's got that viscosity. Yeah. Vanilla? Yeah. yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. And again, um, did you guys have a chance to sip it? Did yeah, you? Yeah, tap it over your tongue. Yeah. Sometimes the nose will tell you one thing, but your tongue will lead you in a different direction. So check it out. Yeah, again, a little bit of, I get a little, I, when, I, when I drink it, I get a little bit of spice. I get little hints. Yeah, I get a little bit of that honey that you'd get from a Tennessee whiskey. Um, and you really kind of have to source, like really look for those cab notes, a little bit of that pepper. Right, oh, yeah. that you'll get a little bit I'm of getting the cab on the tongue. Yeah, it's nice. It's, it's kind of it kind of linger, lingers. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's nice. Huh? And again, this started off kind of as an experiment. Um, the cab, the cab barrels, and we really want we didn't want to mask or change tequila by any means. We just wanted to add another complexity, a layer, and depth and character to sipping tequilas. Um, what's what's really cool about our reposado? We feel like it's a huge opportunity. That's really our focus, our flat, uh, like our halo mark. We feel like reposado is a huge. Just, I, I feel like people um, or, or, or consumers, like it's, it's, whether it's our brand or other brands, Reposados are great because, you know, you got Blancos, which go great in cocktails. You get those agave notes. You got Anejos. 
obviously rested above, uh, you know, 12 months plus. But reposados are nice in between where you can get some nice agave notes, a little bit of that oak, a little bit of that spice, and still enjoy tequila. Yeah, very much so. And what is the bottle price on this at my local liquor store? And can I find this yet? Yeah, I mean, yeah. You guys are just launching. How no. long has this been on the shelves here? So, so if you're in downtown, JC Wine Spirits is a great account. We're, we're not at any big chains yet. It's more fine wine shops like uh, the Wine House, Wally's. If you go to High Time, Mission, Remedy. Um, basically, your larger shops. What's great about the internet today, uh, for example, Jason Wine and Spirits, which is here in downtown, does free delivery, so you can just order online. I think within like one or two days, they'll deliver straight to your doorstep, which is really nice. Um, so it's it's available at at, at retail, like um, independent retail, not so much chains and things like that. Cool. Yeah. All right. So where'd Bambino go? He's like he bailed on me. Here. Oh, I didn't ask you a question. So on the on the uh, on the Reposado, you're looking at about anywhere from forty four to forty six ninety nine. Okay. Beautiful. And this next mark that Bambina is going to pour out for us, this is the Añejo. Now, yeah. so if you stop, you're stopping your um, Reposado at 11, how much of a difference? This has yeah. got a huge color difference. A huge color difference. Yeah, so absolutely. Explain to us, like, what's your difference between the uh, Reposado and the Añejo? Yeah, great question. So, again, back to our, 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 our aging process. And, and you know, when I, when, I was, when I was mentioning the difference between, you know, Kentucky whiskey and Tennessee whiskey, there's, there's noticeable difference when you taste them on their own, right? What we did is we actually sourced our, uh, our cast for our Nejo from, from Woodford, from, from, from Kentucky, so bourbon. And we aged, but we went all the way up to 15 months. We did finish off in Cab, but we went to a different winery in Alexander Valley called Jordan, which is still a big winery really silky kind of, uh, a style cab, full bodied, but just had different spice notes to it. So you got a total of 17 months. You got 15 months in, in Kentucky bourbon, finished off in cab about two months. Um, but what we wanted to produce was, we felt like as a, as a brand, Miko's pretty consistent, but if you look at, if you, if you taste the Anejo and the Reposado, you'll notice considerable differences. Totally different, different, different drinking styles. And we intentionally did this. We just didn't want to produce something that was, okay, this is just a more intense version of our Reposado. This is a different drinking style because we feel like, if you're a Reposado person, you feel like having a Reposado, go for Miko Reposado. But if you want to have an Anejo, you're going to get different characters. I feel like more of the cab comes out, the nose is completely different, but let me know what you guys think. So Bambino's bringing it around right now. So go ahead and stick your nose in that glass. And then again, Think about if it's a fruity note. What kind of fruit is it? Is it a is it a melon? Is it a cherry? Is it a citrus melon. fruit? It's good call. Um, you smell it. Say again. It's melon right after that. Oh, I, I well. Oh, also, you need to get one. The power of suggestion is very strong. This is the. So this, if I, I say I the word melon, melon, yeah. melon a bunch of times, I bet you can probably get some melon notes in there, right? Because we're, we're humans. <laughs> we're like that. Tastes right? like rum. Yeah. <laughs> I'm right. getting a little like corn masa kind of vibe. I don't know, like a, like a, when you when a tortilla is a little bit burnt. A little bit. I get a little of that smokiness. Yeah. Cool. Luis? Should we should we taste it? Yeah. Tap some over your tongue. How does that That's all right. Change? That's all right. Again, very approachable. I think the um, the cab really shines through. Oh, and again, yeah. there's noticeable difference between Asian American oak from Kentucky and Asian American oak from Tennessee. Like I get like those. Whereas I got the honey from the Tennessee, I get like that dry spice and sweetness that you would from a bourbon, right? Oh, yeah. Different style of sweetness right off the bat. And that's what we really want to highlight with our aging process is, you know, we're sourcing on barrels. We really feel like the, that process is really important because here's another thing too when it comes to aging. 
There may, you may see tequilas out there that are aged three, four, five, six, seven, eight years. We have first fill barrels, meaning that Jack or uh, Woodford uses them once and then we buy them. So we get a lot of interaction, contact with that wood and a lot, and a lot of the characters impart into our Blanco right away. If you've got a barrel that's used five or six times and you're aging three or four or five years, you, it, you're just married, you're just, it, it's sitting, it's mellowing it out. There's not much interaction. That's when you start getting those, those vanilla notes and those, you know, not artificial, but kind of those sweeter notes and that it just, the, the wood's not doing anything anymore. So that's an important question I always ask people is if you're aging that long, really how many times has that barrel been used and, and, and what kind of um, interaction is, is tequila taking place? Because we, we were just um, releasing our, ex, not releasing, but our extra Anejo just released, uh, reached about 36 months. And I started, t I tasted at 26, 27 months. And it's got some great flavors. And you'll notice the color, it's, it's, it's not as dark as you think, you know? So uh, when, you, when, you, when it comes to barrel, you know, you want to use first fill barrels. You want to try to use, get that contact with the wood as early as possible. And, you know, after, like I said, after three or four times, you're really not getting a lot of interaction and what you want, those flavors that you really want to impart naturally into your tequila. Beautiful. And are you adding any coloring or flavoring or texturing agents in yeah. any of your uh, tequilas? Another good question. So, and the reason he asked this, and I don't know, I still don't know why this is, as, as regulated as CRT is, and as regulated as 100% agave tequila is, you're allowed to add two components legally to 100% agave tequila. One is caramel. So the reason uh, suppliers add caramel is in, say, a Nejo process, you get this gorgeous, gorgeous amber color that makes it look like it's aged longer than it is. And that flavor kind of softens it out a little bit. Another thing is glycerin. I don't know if you guys know what glycerin, but it's almost, it, 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 it won't kill you. It's, it's fine to drink it. It's almost like a numbing agent. So if you have ever had a shitty tequila that's really smooth, so they add glycerin too. So when you harvest agave, when you're, we harvest agave at seven and a half, eight years. When you, when you harvest uh, premature agave, like at five or six years, what happens is you're not going to get the sugar levels to convert that product into tequila. It's going to be really bitter. It's almost like eating a raw I mean, a, a fruit or a vegetable that's not ripe. So what they're doing is they're using this, this like glycerin to, to kind of cut that and make the product smoother because they're trying to mask the, the, uh, the, the, the harshness of the tequila. So, is glycerin used with other products? That's a great question. Glycerin's used to make soap. And so in the same but way... But do that, rum and vodka guys use it too? Do, oh, do, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It, it's slippery. I think of it as like slippery. It's, it's, it, it makes You'll that, notice it, it now it on your like gums. You'll notice it next time you drink it. It's like, it's slippery. It gives you that linger in terms of texture. It makes it smooth. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So those are two, two components you're allowed to add tequila, 100% agave tequila. But we do not use either of them. Beautiful. Yeah. Wow. And what is the Nejo going to run me at my local liquor store? So the Nejo will run you about anywhere from 52 to $54. And you guys aren't going full nationwide yet? You're just in Southern California? We're just in Southern California. We are launching in Northern California early next year. And to be honest, our idea is just to stick to California as much as we can. We feel like... You know, it, it's, it's one of those things where I, we, we, we've talked to friends who launch, launch brands and stuff like that. We don't want to spread ourselves thin. We really want to focus on the tequila itself, the juice itself, 
reach as many customers as we can here. And if it works out here, well, we'll, we'll expand to other states. But the idea is not to blow this brand out. George Clooney does invest in this brand on the other end of it, which I'm not going to, no, I'm just joking. No, 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 I'm just, no, no, no. He, do, he doesn't at all. It, 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 it's, the, it's a Nunez family, uh, you know, it's a couple of guys who just are really passionate about the brand. And listen, if, if, if people in Texas are screaming for it, are we going to say no? Absolutely not. But our, our idea is to really, really grow this brand in, in, in our home state where we really have great partners like you guys to talk about the brand and, and, and you know, have fun with it. Right on. You guys have any more questions, Mr. Beard? Does anybody want another taste of anything? Because you're more than welcome to taste anything again. Ah. <laughs> yeah? No? All you're right. Good? We'll, we'll be hanging cool. out for a bit. Yeah. Well, Sabir, thank you so much thank for coming you. out from Mezcal Collective tonight. Let's give it up. Thank you, guys. That was awesome. Great stuff. Well, why is the monkey wearing a suit? He's, he's trying to find a job. Oh. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you like what you heard, please head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating and review. The Spirit Guide Society is a Spirit Adventures production in association with Bitten from the Apple Productions. Special thanks to Tone Mesa for their post-production and audio services. The show is produced by Andrew Apple and me, Pedro Shanahan. Executive producer, Andrew Abrahamson. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Spirit Guide SOC. We'll be there to answer any questions you have, share what we're drinking, and more. And if you're still thirsty, you can always find more episodes of the show wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to always drink responsibly. That means don't drink to forget, drink to remember. <laughs>